A lot of times what happens to a lot of people if they're in that amped up state, they fire down all angles and try to tackle everything with this, um, you know, fury. And then they look back at the day and say, oh, well, I did a ton, but I don't know that it was like this calm, balanced, very kind of top-down processing and like focusing on what really matters. And then not only that, that has an equal and opposite valley on the other side. You know, you've almost dragged forward all of the the real like alertness that you have and you're just borrowing on, on you're borrowing from future state. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Future of Work Project. My name is Derek Franco, and it is my great pleasure to introduce you to this program dedicated to bringing together smart and thoughtful leaders and innovators experimenting with new and unique ways of working. From remote work and culture to research into the peak performance of human beings, we'll learn alongside these experts pushing the boundaries today. Today's guest is Chris Thompson. Chris is the founder and CEO of TrueBrain, a nootropic company based in Santa Monica that has created a product to help provide direct focus to its customers. During our discussion, Chris and I speak about how TrueBrain was created and how their research with UCLA helped them develop a formula to keep brains in their peak state by giving the body the nutrients it needs. We'll also take a look at ketones and microfasting and how their effects on the body can help improve focus and energy levels. And with that said, it's my great pleasure to welcome Chris Thompson. Thank you for being here, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love the uh, topic set and, um, you know, we really should have been running the recording last time we we talked because I think that, you know how it goes, that'll probably be a better take than this one, but we'll give it a shot and, and see what we can uh, recreate, if we can recreate that. You oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny though. It's funny because, uh, yeah, you know, during our first conversation, I think, you know, it was supposed to be a quick 10, 15 minute introduction call. And I think we ran through, you know, probably 20 topics in that, in that small little call. So, you know, I was really excited to, uh, you know, get you on the, the podcast and click record. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, it's funny, I actually uh, came across the True Brain uh, brand around 2016. Um, originally, I ordered a batch because I was really curious about the nootropic space um, and really how it related to kind of those cognitive performance boosts. And so really, I'd love to kind of start the conversation here. Uh, would you mind giving us a little more information on the nootropic space in general and really how you got started with TrueBrain? Yeah, I mean, the the story for me, you know, I was out, um, out of business school at the time and at Unilever, uh, which is a umbrella uh, of brands in the consumer space, CPG, much like, uh, you know, the number two player to, to P&G. And what I started noticing myself you know, you had a lot of type A folks all trying to get ahead and sort of make their mark. And, you know, how could you do that with the amount of, you know, competition out there, essentially. And I think the natural instinct for a lot of them is put in more hours, right? Just pure horsepower, grunt work, diligence, you know, combined with intellect and everything else. And that was working less and less to the point of, you know, is it even a unique advantage at all, um, because there's so many others just like you that are willing to put in equal or more time. 
you know, I concluded that there were only a few ways that you could actually get ahead and enjoying life at the same time. So having some sort of balance um, was to be more productive in a shorter amount of time. So how could you have like more impact over less hours? And to me, that became like the biggest barrier. And then I started looking at, well, what are, what does that really mean? Like what's in the way of that? Okay. How do you break through mental blocks and like really power your creative output? So I started playing around with, you know, like a lot of folks at the time and, and now in this growing sort of space of, you know, things like sleep and how do you manage your stress and shutting out distractions. Um, I was big, at, like working out at lunch and like, you know, testing out like different ways to play around with my diet. And, you know, I was at Unilever, of course, in the foods group when I started out and we had access to a ton of research on like high function foods. So that's when I, in the, in the diet piece to that, I got really interested in that. And I was working on a project with, uh, with Lipton, the Lipton brand, which is tea. And they had actually done some of the initial research around brainwave optimization uh, with, with one nootropic that happens to just naturally be in green tea, L-theanine. And for me, it was all around how do I quantify these various things? Because just that sort of one-on-one mentality of you need to be able to first determine like what, what the equation is for success. And in this case, it's this like productive output over time. Mm-hmm. And we knew that, you know, the major elements there are sleep and diet and, you know, diet being one piece, right? Yeah, of course. So then I, when I was looking at diet, I actually found some studies that Unilever had done um, where they had actually quantified the brainwave state that it creates. Um, and that was fascinating to me. Um, and I had sort of, you know, asked around and tried to figure out why they didn't actually, um, use it or explore it more. Um, and as you can imagine, which is the case a lot of times with big companies, right? We love to just, um, call them out as so slow and, you know, Yeah. They have a lot of data that they're collecting, but they don't act on it. Exactly. So it's usually the case that um, it wasn't practical for them to use it. And it made made proper sense, right? It made practical sense. They couldn't communicate all that information at shelf. For their target consumer to be able to digest that science was a complete non-starter. If you just take the, you know, the typical grocery store in suburban St. Louis, can you imagine trying to put a brainwave study on the back of a Lipton tea pack? Oh yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And that, and once they print that package, it's going everywhere, right? So it just didn't didn't make a ton of sense. Um, but for me, um, it you know it made sense for the entrepreneur to have an opportunity there. So if they you know if you could go more into that space, develop this really completely new category. Um, for them, it didn't make sense, but for the entrepreneur, it was a huge opportunity. And that led me to research and test like various, you know, nootropics and high function foods in this area, um, as well as get more into that idea of actually measuring the brainwave state behind it. Um, and I was like really fired up that big brands had left an opportunity there for innovation for entrepreneurs to be able to take advantage. So I said to myself, I had this domain experience in CPG. And I wanted to start a brand that, you know, could bring those benefits to the masses because I started seeing a lot of benefits with um, that diet piece of the equation among among the other things. 
No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And so how do you take kind of this research that you're finding at Unilever and kind of take it into, you know, like you said, creating a brand and a product? Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, I um, accepted a position at a tech accelerator in LA and they were, they, they were right next to the UCLA campus. So I partnered with um, some neuroscientists there with uh, Andrew Hill and Ida Attar um, and some others that were doing uh, brainwave measurement around this exact topic. So it was actually found the perfect group um, that were PhDs in cognitive neuroscientists uh, in, in cognitive neuroscience. And they were doing these studies and trying to figure out not just what had mostly been done was um, folks with deficit states, but we wanted to take healthy individuals and figure out um, you know, they're, they're healthy, they're normal, they're just trying to get more out of their time, much like kind of the problem or, you know, the challenge that I wanted to solve. Um, and that was when we started to test out all these different formulas and also unpack, like, what was the brainwave state when we put these people in stressful environments? Mm -hmm. So a, bunch, a range of different people from a range of different careers, we would have them wear these, these helmets with 24 channel inputs of you know, reading the EEGs. Uh, and you could see in stressful environments where their focus and concentration started to wane and um, what would break it down. And um, there were all kinds of patterns that we discovered. Um, and then we looked at uh, various formulas that would help give a nudge to the quote unquote better. I mean, the purists. And if Andrew was on with us today, he would, of course, make the point that there is no, you know, there's no right brainwave state um, because it all depends on what you're going for. But if you are going for what what we were, which is how can you have that sustained attention and avoid procrastination and distractions and have that overall analytical thought, mm -hmm. all of those things are around the executive function in the frontal lobe and driving brainwave activity and and metabolism and oxygen and blood flow to that region. So you'd be getting what that region's good at. No, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, one of the things that you actually said um, on the intro call that you and I had was that you guys were really focused on not just trying to hack the system like other people, you know, are trying to do or saying that they're doing in their marketing, but more giving the brain and body what they need to kind of take advantage of those natural cycles that occur um, in the brain. Yeah, that's right. I mean, one of the things that we looked at doing was this idea of having it be sustainable for the energy system in your brain and body, which meant you didn't, we didn't want to have these massive peaks and valleys where it's always a zero sum game. If you have, if you hijack the brain system and override it with a sledgehammer of alertness, you're going to be all amped up and, but you might not, even in that amped up state, you might not achieve what you're looking to achieve, which is like um, really this sort of calm flow state focus where you're only doing what really matters and avoiding what, what doesn't. A lot of times what happens to a lot of people if they're in that amped up state, they fire down all angles and try to tackle everything with this, um, you know, fury. Yep. <laughs> and then they look back at the day and say, oh, well, I did a ton, but I don't know that it was like this calm, balanced, very kind of top-down processing and like focusing on what really matters. And then not only that, that has an equal and opposite valley on the other side. You know, you've almost dragged forward all of the 
the real like alertness that you have and you're just borrowing on, on you're borrowing from future state. We wanted to do something that was just really working with the fundamental biology in your, in your brain, which meant just feeding it essentially. We're looking to just feed the, the brain's natural metabolism in those regions to then drive that activity, oxygen and blood flow without that causing any, you know, equal and opposite reaction on the other side so that you, you look at the balance of a week or a month, oh, well, then you just had these massive peaks and valleys. That's, that's usually not the, the best way to, uh, we felt like for our target market to get their best work done. Yeah, of course, of course. And I mean, everybody knows, you know, anybody that's had a lot of coffee knows that feeling of, oh, you know, you're two or three cups in, you're doing great. And then you're just done at, you know, two or three o'clock at that point. Right. Versus everybody knows that feeling when you have maybe one or a couple days of like really good sleep that you have, like, you really feel like you have, you know, your legs under you in a way, like you feel like you have that like really solid foundation for just sound, sensible thinking. That's more like what we wanted to create. And, you know, there is no, it's, there's not shortcuts. We're very clear about the equation. Sleep is the number one factor. So if you can get great sleep and everything else, you don't need the, you don't necessarily need to optimize from something, from nutrients that are going to pass through the blood brain barrier and actually affect the metabolism of the brain. You don't, you don't need to, but a lot of people aren't able to get an A plus across all of those other factors or a 10 out of 10 across all those. So their score overall is not high enough. So then that's a useful piece to add to their regimen. And I think I found when I started doing, um, 16 and 8 intermittent fasting um, to some degree, like a couple days a week, I found that that all tended to work together. I read there was a great men's men's health article about it um, a couple years ago, showcased on, it was showcasing Hugh Jackman having done this, but that's how I first discovered it. But I think that the, the routes to get your, you know, to be in ketosis, you know, having your blood level above the, the threshold, you know, I... I never liked the diet component, um, but I did like the fasting. Um, and I felt like, especially like just doing coffee, you know, basically black coffee um, and water in the mornings up until that lunch workout, um, as well as, you know, keeping that, that eight hour eating window and using ketones um, pre-workout really helped me like stay in, in, ketosis a, a decent amount of the week or a given day. Recently, True Brain has kind of come out with a ketones product as well, correct? Right. Was this out of you originally kind of getting curious about the, you know, the fasting and kind of diving into that rabbit hole of what was happening with the body? Or how did this come about? Well, I mean, it, it came about originally from, there's just a lot of great science. Um, there's a lot of great science that solves a number of cognitive problems, which is, of course, always been our focus. Um, and if there's a lot, a ton of studies on what having high ketones in your, in your blood will do for various disorders. Um, everybody can check out the, the studies about those. So that's, you know, the, the neuroscientists um, who've done, who've gone through PhD programs, they all know about um, the kind of the, the power mm -hmm. um, of that fuel because it's very efficient and it carries no free radicals. And there's something about the efficiency of that in the brain that seems to operate a lot better 
than, um, than anything else. We'd known about it for that. And then of course, just broadly, the lifestyle aspect since I had actually tried it out and Alyssa um, on our team had tried it out um, and had you know experimented with all these different things and fasting and also just endurance um, cardio and all these different things. So it seemed that it made sense for us to introduce it. And then when we wanted to come out with it, we typically like to come out with, if we're going to go into a particular category, we like it to, of course, make sense for the brand, like, like I mentioned, but we also like to come out with the best of breed product and not come out with a ton of different um, SKUs and then see what happens and see what people ask for next and kind of follow the customer development um, lean model from there rather than try to be a, a keto diet superstore. Um, we just wanted to come out with the very best pound for pound ketones product on the market. And I think that we've done that by doing that mix of ester um, which is the fastest absorbed, we found what we think is the ideal mix of ester and mineral-based BHB um, that we filed IP on that nobody on the market had come out with. So we feel like it's the best for pound for pound kind of dollar per blood ketone level that it's going to get you uh, per serving on, on the market. And could you give a little more information on what exactly ester is? Um, yeah, it's just a different pure form of ketones. So it's not attached. It's not carried um, by any other minerals. Mm -hmm. So it was, it's, it's the most pure, but it's, it's also just like really expensive. There isn't the scale technology on the market to, um, to come out with that, to make it affordable quite yet. It's like, how could we thread the needle for people? Well, the, the answer was, well, we'll give them a little bit, just enough ester combined with the more affordable BHB, which was attached to, to minerals. So could we find the right ratio there? And we felt like through testing that, of, you know, volunteer beta testers where we were testing the blood level with a prick of a, of a finger as well. So that was a nice way to have something that is measurable, that we can move biomarkers that delivers meaningful outcomes, both for brain and body, um, where we were, we felt like we had the best uh, initial, you know, leading kind of main product on the market. No, that makes perfect sense. And so were you guys seeing a good improvement on the blood on the blood levels? Yeah, I mean, that was the that was the whole point of, you know, a single serving, you know, could that get you <coughs> into uh, ketosis, you know, easily and quickly and easily. Um, and I think that what we noticed is at least theoretically, I think the ester component was like the faster acting. So it was able to help on the speed. And then the minerals, because they're attached, you know, it's BHV attached to minerals. Um, theoretically, that's going to require a little bit more absorption or digestion. So that actually gives you the, the length of time. So it was like a nice pairing for both speed and duration of maintaining um, that, that uh, ketosis level for four to five hours. That's amazing. That's amazing. And especially to be able to get somebody to that state, um, you know, just like you mentioned before, I mean, the keto diet is still something that's a really big, uh, you know, you could say fad right now, um, but it's just really tough to maintain that diet on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. I mean, and with, that's where it all started, right? Because customers in trying to stay disciplined to the, you know, to having customers drive our product development process, it's always about asking them what problems can we solve for you next that you think makes sense from us. 
because to your point on the fad, I think that what ketones can help is hopefully like not make it so much of a fad because what makes it a fad and what makes things, you know, unsustainable is the fact how drastic they are. So the keto diet is too drastic. I think, I mean, it's, it's all a personal choice and up to the degree of discipline that folks have, but like it's, it can help it be a lot more sustainable, which makes it not a fad because we know one thing for sure is that fuel in your body. There's nothing that's a fad about that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so, you know, just like you said, really the company's focused on kind of creating products that not only consumers want, but really focus on helping the body get the fuel that it needs to naturally get into its best state um, rather than trying to hack it in any way. That's exactly right. I mean, we like to say that our products really provide like a natural nudge to what's already inside of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's usually through the diet piece to the equation. No, I love that. I love that. And, you know, one thing I really want to kind of dive in a little bit on as well is um, you guys are creating a product with uh, CBD right now, correct? Right. How did you guys originally kind of think of getting into the space with CBD and I guess, what are you guys trying to get out of that product from a productivity standpoint? Yeah, it's a similar story to how we got into um, ketones in the sense that, you know, it's pretty consensus neuroscience that there's a lot of interesting initial research on CBD in terms of what it can do for, you know, deficit states. So Mm -hmm. if you're sensing a pattern here, a lot of these emerging technologies that you know are ingredients that end up getting into consumer markets, they usually find their way getting establishing some sort of exciting consensus research that academics know about, um, or anybody following a lot of the the published um, you know literature and both from both like private universities and also like obviously public uh, sector entities it's coming out where it's like, it's showing great progress for deficit states. What could it do? Um, what could it do for that further, of course? And then what can it do for, for folks that are not in a deficit state that want to just improve their performance or have this like nudge to these states to spend more time in a productive zone or whatever else. I think that it was, it was a very similar thing in the sense that the anxiety and the stress was one of the biggest blockers on our, pure cognitive brain food side of the business on nootropics. Mm, especially today too, you know, you have so many things thrown at you. I mean, how can you not be, you know, overwhelmed? Right. And I think that was more and more, um, again, like asking customers, you know, what, what seemed to be, you know, how could we improve? Like what kind of challenges are they still facing? Even if they're really big fans of the product, like what is it still missing? What kind of stressors are they under? What are the challenges in their you know, to, to performing at their peak and having this maximum output, it's still, it still popped up that the main blockers were in the way um, of stress and anxiety and distractions and those things. So it was the more that you can pave the runway. So the way that we thought about it is if you can get those blockers out and, you know, manage that, manage and better sort of metabolize the stress and the anxiety, that clears the runway for the nootropics to actually do their job um, better. So that's really how we thought about it simply. So we think about it as an additional pairing of an ingredient to our nootropics um, and sort of brain food side of the business 
that will help complement it in a great way of removing those blockers to um, to what our products already do. No, that's amazing. And so are you guys going to be introducing it as kind of a new formula um, or into the main product itself? We're going to test is the short answer. And I think that what we found already that we're excited to roll out is there's we have four variants now um, coming out shortly when we get this uh, this variant with CBD that we're calling Flow. There'll be this Flow CBD variant with nootropics. There'll be our our standard, you know, most popular boost uh, nootropics variant. There'll be the non-cap version, and then there'll be this extra strength. So what we found, and we're all we're coming out with this extra strength variant, also at the same time with our with our CBD variant. And what we found in testing that we're super excited to to roll out and see how it does in market is one of those four or some combination of them un- worked for the vast majority of folks in terms of unlocking for them what was their best mix that unlocked their brainwave state their ideal brain state. So what we found with these four and some combination thereof, that that worked for a dramatic amount of our testers. Um, and I think that that's the, you know, testing as part of people's normal routines. Um, that's what we're really excited to roll out. And I think that that's how CBD is playing a part in our overall business and product portfolio. I love the fact that you guys are looking at it from what can we do to kind of help people today, um, especially with, as you mentioned earlier, you know, focus being so precious. Um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned on our first call is, you know, most people realistically only have two or three hours on a good day of really intense focus. And, you know, you guys are really kind of looking at what can we do to help people get more out of those two or three hours. Yep, I think that's mostly it. I mean, could we extend the the time window that people have? Probably, it's probably a little bit of both. It's probably like trying to extend it slightly, but I think it's more what you're saying. I think it's more about the meaningful output within those and really striking while the iron's hot. I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan of Cal Newport and his a lot of his content and his latest is that you can, you know, you have this, based on behaviors, based on a lot of factors, genetics, behaviors, all kinds of things, you you have this basic set of amount of deep work that you can get done in a particular week and then you know maybe even down to the day, right? So in a given day, how do you, and his is very much a behavioral kind of um, reinforcement methodology of how you get the most out of that, which I think is huge. Like putting your phone away, like having setting up all these systems so you're minimizing distractions, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just <clears throat> our products are meant to be another tool in that regimen to do exactly what you're saying, to get more productive output out of those few hours. And I think you can increase that with concentrating on the equation that we think leads to you know, this best brainwave state and this overall productivity with like the sleep and diet and meditation, mindfulness, all these things, avoiding distractions. Another one that I think about when I think about that, I think about um, Dan Ariely's like hot, hot state, cold state. So I like to radically embrace the difference in my own productivity in the hot state between the hot state and the cold state. So for me, that means if I happen to be out cycling or my heart rate's really high on a workout and I just felt like I put together 
a few disparate data points and came up with like a new, a new idea, a new hypothesis, new concept. I will, as much as I don't want to, I don't want to, when I'm cycling or, you know, running, like bring out my phone and start recording myself. I don't want to do that any more than anybody else wants to. Of course, I don't want, nobody wants to interrupt or take that time to do that. Yeah. Especially when they hit that kind of flow state um, with whatever they're doing. Right. And, and I think this is just my hypothesis. I think not enough people respect that, that they think that they'll surely be able to think about it in the same way after. So if people are listening, here's my test for you. If you record what you're thinking, then, then when you're in the cold state, like for me, I'm not a huge morning person. So I will listen to that audio that I had from like the prior day or something in the morning. And how many times for me, maybe this won't happen to others, but it's a huge aha moment um, that it's every time I listen, it's wow. Oh yeah. I totally, that's right. That's right. Like I'm like, I, there's no way I could have matched the intensity and the depth of the thought that happened in that moment the day after. If you had asked me, hey, remember topic XYZ that you thought about the day before? I would have given a C minus D plus rendition. At the most at that point. <laughs> right. And, and now I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh my God, this is an A plus rendition as good as I can possibly do. And for me, the difference between that D minus, uh, you know, that, that, D plus C minus effort in the cold state and that A plus is drastic. I mean, I definitely think there's going to be a big difference for me, um, especially, you know, my backgrounds on the engineering side of things. When I'm in that particular flow state, I mean, things are just on a different wavelength, but there are times where I'll do exactly that. I will write down just different ideas. And when I'm not there anymore, I'll come back over and I remember maybe 30% of it. Yeah, 30%. There you go. I guess, you know, to, it goes back to, how do you get the absolute most out of the hours that you have for, for deep work, deep thought, or, you know, if you want to think about it in the, in the Dan Ariely lens, this, this hot state, wherever that can come from throughout your day, how do you really capture that and leverage it with limited time? Um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of methodology that you can put in place just to make sure that it's, that you're getting it. I, I just feel that too many people have this, flawed trust in them being able to fully remember or fully really fully capture that you know whatever magic was happening at that time it's very difficult to recapture that in full and i either feel like people are overconfident in their own ability to do that or they don't aren't caring enough or realizing how big that could be for their overall productivity no, I love it. I love it. Honestly, I'm the same exact way. I'm, I kind of gotten to the point where once I started writing everything down, I feel like I started getting a lot more done, even if they was just kind of scrap notes. That was enough to kind of trigger the brain, you know, a week later or even two weeks later to help me kind of continue, continually just put ideas together. Um, so yeah, I, I 100% agree at that point. It's another one of those things that people love to be so tech savvy and so tech driven and they don't like to, you know, use the, the pen and paper. Um, I still do, you know, pencil and paper. And I think even just writing out what seems like silly sort of basic mundane things that you're grappling with, with like a particular problem 
Um, it could even be just, you know, personal stuff. There's a lot of like morning journaling that was showcased as like super effective for a lot of the guests on the tools of the Titans podcast with Tim Ferriss and, um, I mean, Ray Dalio's principles is, is big on that type of stuff. Just like documenting that stuff. So people, I also think would love for their workday and their tools to be so graceful and so lightweight, but that's not, that's not how the human brain works like there is something to the mechanics and the kinesiology of learning of actually the motor skills of writing it connecting that other channel in the brain and a lot of times i feel like people don't appreciate the unfortunate nature of how analog the brain is and how hardwired it is over centuries and it's not meant to just you know be this this thing where you only have a few modalities and you're not connecting them enough. It's almost this, uh, this pride of, Oh yeah, I don't need a notebook. Well, it's not about don't need, like there's no way your brain has been, there's no way that they can do have the same output without actually the writing component or other components. Yeah. And that's a, a little bit of what we talked about um, offline as well was, you know, I think that, there's experiments that I do that I, I just think that the brain is wired so inverse to a lot of the forced activity that we have in place to try to extract maximum output from those few precious deep work, hot, you know, hot state, cold state hours that we have in a day. Yeah. And I think that, you know, being in motion and working out and meditation, like, I think that that to me is like, it feels like it's much more in line and frictionless with how the brain likes to operate at a peak level and sustaining that. Yeah. We can't change the way that the brain has evolved, but we can do whatever we can to kind of give it the best fuel for what it needs today. And whether that's, like you said, mindfulness, exercise, nutrition, you know, focusing on what we can do for our bodies will lead to a better output regardless of what we're trying to achieve. Right, exactly. No, I love it. I love it. Well, Chris, thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. I can't wait till uh, our next one. For sure. Yeah, no, I'd love to hear what some comments are. I'm sure there's some folks out there that totally disagree and, you know, think we're totally nuts and are wired a totally <laughs> different way. So, I mean, love to hear from it. But uh, but yeah, next time we'll have to we'll have to prove it and we'll have to both be in motion. Maybe we can both be on the spin bike going through this next time. So we're not just talking about how we're always on the move sitting here on the podcast. <laughs> you know what? I love it. I love it. That's what we'll do for the next one. Well, thank you again, Chris. And uh, yeah, you have a great day. Yeah. Thanks again, Derek. Appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Future of Work Project. Now, as with all of our work, this interview is part of our ongoing research, and I'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on the discussion. To weigh in, visit our website at fowproject.com or reach out on Instagram at thefowproject. We'll be sure to share the feedback on our social channels, and it could be featured in an upcoming episode. And with that said, thank you for listening.